All right, uh, great to be with you. Uh, we have Deb uh, Hewlett here today from the University of British Columbia. Thanks for joining us, Deb. My pleasure to be here, to spend time with you and VK. Fantastic. So um, let's go back to, you know, you have one of the uh, more illustrious careers in, in CIS basketball, but let's go back to high school. Um, Ooh, when you okay. started in high school, yeah, we're going way back. The, um, <laughs> I, when you started, where, where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about uh, what basketball was like and, and uh, what other sports you kind of played back then. All right. Well, I was a Quebec, Ontario, and New Jersey product. So that's where I lived um, before I moved out to Vancouver. And uh, I loved every sport. I loved everything. I played from soccer to field hockey. I was a gymnast. <laughs> I was a swimmer, competitive swimmer. Um, basketball, volleyball, tennis, um, you name it. I loved it. I played everything going, everything I could. Uh, and then I think, uh, you know, as you get older, you start to focus in a little bit more on the sports that really captivate your interest and where you want to spend your time. And um, my big uh, dilemma was, oh, I forgot softball. I was a provincial team uh, fastball back catcher back in the day. Um, so that had my interest. Volleyball had my interest. Basketball had my interest as sort of primary sports. So um yeah, I'm, I'm a proponent of multi-sport, develop your athleticism when you're younger and then refine as you get older. So then you, you, you finish high school, um, you end up going to Bishops. How did, tell us about that back then. That, that's, uh, you know, it, the, the lady who runs our business, she actually played at Bishops as well. So um, I'm a little bit familiar with the program. They're starting to win again, which is nice. Um, yes, tell tell nice. us what it was like to play there back then. Okay, well, um, I was in Quebec at the time, so I went from high school, which finished in grade 11, to CEGEP, which is like a junior college um, stepping stone, um, sort of finishing high school, but also the beginning of, of university. So I did that. Then I actually went to Concordia for a year, and I played with some all-time Canada greats in Sylvia Sweeney and Liz Silcott, which was amazing. And then I transferred to Bishops um, for three years. So... I played in the Quebec uh, conference and, um, you know, really enjoyed it. Um, we were quite successful. We always represented uh, the Quebec conference at nationals, uh, but we were a very small school at that time. We had, you know, around a thousand to 1500 students. So a very small group, but they were very athletic uh, campus at that time. So our teams did quite well uh, and it was a great experience. And how are your teams there? Did uh, you do well? I know, I know uh, you had the all-time highest point total in a game at one point, so that you obviously were putting up some pretty good numbers. What were your, what were your teams like? Uh, our teams, we were all provincial team players at the time. Um, so a lot of people who played in Quebec and represented uh, Quebec on the provincial team. Uh, clubs uh, weren't uh, very big um, at that time. Um, it's changed a lot, but at the time it was provincial team players. Uh, we had, I think the most we ever had on our roster was 10 because it was such a small campus. Uh, but we, we did have a couple men that practiced with us, which I think, you know, in hindsight was a really beneficial thing, um, to play against men in that practice environment. I know now you try to, um, have practice squads that, that our men are very good quality women that, that um, supplement your practice environment. Um, so we were a very, very good team. We were a dynamic team, a quick team, a tenacious team. 
Um, we always got to national championships. We never were able to sort of get over the hump in my era and uh, against the big dogs, you know, the bigger schools. Um, although, um, you know, we would win cancellation finals and things like that. And then, uh, but it was a start of a change of, uh, of that program. And then Lynn Polson followed, Andrea Blackwell followed, a bunch of national teamers, Cynthia Johnson followed, and then they were able to win national championships um, um, just shortly after I left. Yeah, I mean, it's still, it always takes a little bit of time. You got to build it up. And then it's always, you know, quite frankly, I remember when uh, Elgin Park won the championship, uh, Stu didn't have his daughter on the team. He, had, he coached the year after. He already built it up, right. but he couldn't win with his group. He had to win with the group after. So right. that's always it takes time. So um, you finished playing at Bishops. What, what happens next? Well, I was really lucky. I had a great national championship tournament where Bishops won the consolation final. Actually, the MVP of the national championships, which was unheard of to be from the winning team. And that led to an invitation to try out for the national team. So that sort of was a springboard into my journey as a national team player that spent 11 seasons. And um, so that overlapped a little bit with Bishops. And then I decided after I got my undergrad in psychology at Bishops, um, then I moved out to Vancouver and went to UBC for a master's in science and audiology and speech language pathology. So I came out, did my master's, still train as a national teamer um, for a couple years uh, out here. And then I became a speech and language pathologist. So that's my sort of life pre-basketball coach. Yeah, no kidding. How, um, <laughs> I <know> that part. <laughs> what, what got you to come to Vancouver to go to UBC? when you were on the East Coast um, for your whole life, pretty much. I mean, what, what, what made you make that transformation? Well, I wanted to change. I wanted something different. Um, my sister had moved out to BC and to Vancouver. So I had somebody that uh, I was very close to out here and I just wanted a new challenge, a new opportunity. So I had applied to a number of uh, master's programs across the country, got accepted at UBC. And um, another good friend, actually, um, the Scrub Brothers' mom, Diane Murphy, was a very good friend of mine and a teammate at, um, at Bishops. And we both came out here, and she was in engineering, and I was in, um, I was in my Master's of Science. And uh, it was just basically a new challenge, a new opportunity, try something new. Uh, it was going from a very small undergraduate school to a very large um, you know, campus that offers anything and everything so uh, that kind of blew my mind sort of the change in uh, demographic um, size everything so at, as your story goes um, it goes as very similarly to some of our a lot of our, our athletes that we've interviewed you kind of just roll the punches and then and then an opportunity presents itself um, so you do 11 years on the national team and then you end up uh, getting the job as the, the coach at UBC how did that come about? And, and you obviously went and got your master's. So you, you had some specific goals that you wanted to achieve. And then head coach of the basketball team pops up. How, how does that correlate? And, and how'd you get there? It is a bit of a long and windy road. Um, <laughs> they, they usually are. Yeah. Well, because of my basketball background as a player, there were like opportunity knocked at my door. Um, for various coaching roles with 
you know, locally with provincial teams and regional teams, but also with other universities. Um, but I, you know, I was invested. I, I did my master's. I was a speech and language pathologist, so I wasn't quite ready to reconsider my, my career. Um, but I think over time, I had the opportunity. I coached with Bev Smith for a year at UBC when we both retired from the national team. And she took that job and really twisted my arm to um, be your assistant. And so I, because she was such a good friend of mine, I, I accepted that opportunity and coached with her for a year at UBC. And then she went back to play pro and to play uh, pro in Italy and, and with Canada basketball again for a whole other quadrennial and, and Olympics. Um, and then the job became open and, and UBC pursued me at that time. Uh, I wasn't ready for it, so I turned it down. And then the job came up again, uh, maybe five years later. And at that time I thought, yeah, I mean, I don't know why I kind of stepped away from the opportunity because I'm so passionate about sport. I understand the, the benefit of sport and the, the gifts that it offers you in your journey. And um, maybe because it seemed too natural to me, I felt like I needed to take another challenge. And, and but I found my way uh, back. And then from there, I had uh, many opportunities to coach with Canada basketball. It's just been a fabulous full circle um, journey, really. Yeah, for sure. So when you, when you get there, what are some of the core – so whenever some, a coach takes over a team, they obviously want to impart some of their beliefs on the program and kind of set their groundwork. When you got going, what were some of the core things that you were like, okay, this needs to be what we're about, this needs to be what we're trying to do? What, what, what were some of those things? Well, you're always influenced by people who've coached you um, for things that you – value and you think you want to do and for other things you think I don't want to do that so you come with those kind of learnings but I've always been someone who wants to be the best they can be I, I you know I I embrace hard work dedication discipline um, commitment effort team play uh, so all these things are fundamental to kind of my values and who I am so you know, I was just kind of trying to take that forward. And then I really, one of the parts I love most about coaching is an opportunity for young people um, to, to learn, to grow, to develop, to come into their own, to gain confidence, to get their footing. Um, so I wanted to provide a program that I thought could really uh, be beneficial for, a, you know, a, a young woman to, um, to walk into. So, you know, taking great pride to be thoughtful and um, about, you know, the full, the full person. What, what does, a, what does a, a young female athlete need as far as opportunity to learn, opportunity to grow uh, up? And then, you know, when you're coaching at university, kids are 17 when they come in and they're 22 when they leave. And that is a huge, you know, hugely important time of their life where they go from independent um, youngsters in a family to getting their footing as independent people stepping into the world um and so to me university is kind of that bridge between you know being a dependent person in in your family unit to being an independent person ready to take the next step so you know all those kind of things are in my mind and just having walked walked the path myself and understanding you know uh the importance but also the opportunity i wanted to make sure that 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 was what um, was there at UBC for people who wanted to come. Yeah, absolutely. And so you start to build the program. You guys start to win a little bit more. 
who was that first recruit that kind of changed the, the quality of the team to take you guys to the net? Like, who, who helped you make that first jump when you were getting going? Well, it's interesting because, uh, I mean, even though um, UBC has an amazingly long tradition of excellence, um, like back to the 1930 World Championship team, um, and then through the late 60s and 70s when they won multiple national championships and at least half the roster was national team players. Uh, and then it, it then went through a bit of a dry patch after that. And then it was definitely in a rebuild where, you know, UBC at that time when I was taking over was just starting to shift maybe from just an academic place, go there for a good school, to go there, you know, for good education. But hey, they also, you know, have good athletics programs. So it was just sort of at the cost. A little bit of the change had occurred with Bev and a little bit of the change had occurred with Misty, but it was still, um, it was still not quite there. So, um, so I think, you know, it, it was brick by brick. It wasn't like maybe wave the magic wand and it wasn't like I walked into a program that was already it, you know, in position to win. And I would say that one of the first recruits that I thought, okay, we're moving in the right direction was Charmaine Adams. Do you remember Charmaine? I've heard about her. I never got to see her. From Mick Roberts, yeah. She was like a very intelligent player, uh, six foot point guard. Um, but it just flowed after that. And, you know, I think that group of six that came in as rookies in Erica McGinnis's year was, was uh, that was the first year we won. So we, actually got over the hump and actually won Canada West, which was always difficult in the context of Kathy Shields and you Vic, uh, but we won Canada West. And then, um, and then we um, went to nationals and won that won at nationals the first time that I had been there and my teams had been there. And so, you know, uh, a few people were already there like Carrie Watson, now Carrie Watts. She was a dominant player, Sheila Townsend, Kelsey Blair, Lita Beck, um, there were a lot of them. And then, you know, in comes Erica McGinnis and Julie Little and Kate Haggerty, um, among others. And now, now you have enough, enough depth um, to get over, over the, uh, the hump. So there are a lot, of, a lot of people. It's not just one person, as we all know, with, with teams. But, you know, and, and then it takes, it takes some momentum and some change. And um, so it was, a, you know, a lot of people um, rolled up their sleeves and, and made that happen. For sure. Now, you, you mentioned there that you had to get over the hump. Um, and then you, you ended up going to the Nationals, you win the National Championship. What, what was kind of, do you think, was getting in the way of getting you guys there? And then what, what did it take to actually take it to the next level and get that National Championship? Well, I think, I think just having the depth, having enough um, quality players that you could um, compete with other teams that have depth. I mean, there were some really good teams in Canada West. Uh, Victoria was a really good team at the time. Calgary was a good team at the time. Uh, Regina um, as well. And so, you know, with only eight berths, I mean, there's eight berths to your national championship and, you know, one goes to host and at that time one goes to wildcard and you have to have at least one from each conference it's stingy it's it is an accomplishment to get there and so and you need enough depth to to do it and you need you know some luck as well you need to be resilient you need to be healthy um the season is long uh, i think we had great chemistry i think we had belief um and um 
I think the girls that we had at that time really enjoyed competing, really enjoyed coming to practice um, and, and found ways. And sometimes it was different people like, you know, it, for a good team, it's not always the same person doing, you know, uh, doing the damage. It's usually on a good team. It can change from, you know, maybe one, two, three, four, five different people on any given night. So we finally had that kind of depth, I think. Totally. And so, you know, when I was talking about Eric, uh, to Eric McGinnis on, on this before, I was, t I was telling her the thing I appreciate the most about her game is that, you know, when I would go, I, I wasn't really paying that much attention, but I would go to an occasional game. And I noticed that her game continued to elevate every year while she was there. And it really helped take her game to the next level. And so, you know, you win that first one, got to be a huge relief to, you know, to, for all the, all the people that have come before you and for yourself, for your team and for the kids who actually put in that time and, and got it done. Then you've got that group, and, and although you won with the, some older kids, some of, the, some of the greatest players in the history of UBC were actually in the younger age. So what was it like having to reposition the following year and the year after and the year after? So you had another four years with those kids and, and getting, getting them to refocus and, and want to do it again. Mm -hmm. Well, it was a competitive group. You know, they really liked winning, as we all did. So... Uh, you know, and we went on with that group to win three times in five years. So, um, you know, we were fortunate to be able to carry the core of that group through. We did lose some key people along the way, like, you know, Carrie Watts was in her fifth year when we won. Kelsey Blair was in her fourth year when we won. Um, so, um, you know, and, you, and then you pick up the pieces. Um, you know, you're recruiting to fill, like we recruit to fill specific needs. We don't recruit just for numbers or for a large roster. We recruit for specific um, needs that we have and openings that we have in our roster. And I think, I think one of the other important things is that, um, you know, I said they enjoyed coming to practice and playing the game and doing it together, but they also bought into what we were trying to do. And I think that's really important for any team is the whole, you know, being all in, buying in, like being you know, in the same boat, paddling an oar in the same direction. And I think when you get that synergy and when you get that commitment to team and commitment to each other, then then great things can happen. I think that's what we found during that time. Yeah, absolutely. So I've noticed since I started coaching, which, you know, seems like it was yesterday when I started, but it's been 17 years now. The, <laughs> I, I've noticed even in that time frame, uh, the UBC teams, uh, like just the surrounding things around the girls program, like the gear has gotten better. The travel is nicer. The, you know, the talking to players who play on the teams that are coached, you know, that they, they're really well taken care of as athletes. Talk about what it took to set that as a precedence, because when you started, for sure, that's not what it was like. And then how is it like, what, what, what has it taken to get to that, to that point now where UBC is, you know, arguably the number one place you know, for, for where you would want to go in the country and then how well they take care of their athletes. Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, not only has our program grown, but I think what you're seeing is the commitment that the, our university, the University of British Columbia has to athletics on campus and the commitment that our athletic department has to excellence. Like we, we want to be the premier program in the country. And we don't just want to say that, but we want it. We want, you have to live it. You have to breathe it. You have to. And, and so going back to, we want to provide the best environment that we can for our student athletes. So 
you know, so we have great, we have sports science, you know, we have nutritionists, we have sports psychologists, we have, uh, you know, we do ferritin testing, we do, we have um, lots of bases covered, you know, we have decent meal money, we want to, we have sponsorships, um, we have, we have scholarships, we have uh, alumni mentor programs, it's well, it's comprehensive and well thought out. And, and it, it's because we care. We care at the university. Um, we care about athletics. Not only do we want to be a strong academic institution, we want to be a strong athletic institution. And I think our history has shown that we are, but it means continual change, continual evolution, um, striving to do things better and better and better. You know, we have more marketing and promotion and uh, everything we do, it's, it's, um, what can we do better? You know, what can we add to the resources, uh, whether it's study hall, whether it's tutoring, um, you know, we, it's comprehensive and it's thoughtful and, you know, and we also, you know, we take great pride in developing our athletes. Uh, you mentioned Erica and how you, you thought that she got better at university. Well, of course she would get better at university because, that's one of our mandates. We want the kids to maximize their potential. We want the kids to thrive. You know, that's one of the reasons we don't over recruit because we invest in our kids. We want to work with our kids. We want to provide, you know, individual workouts, video sessions, opportunities to play. Um, you know, like it's an investment. It's, it's selective strategic recruiting and it's investment in who we have. We want them to come in we want them to be successful on the court, off the court, in the community. We want them to have a great experience. And, and when they leave, we want them to be good alumni who understand the process, understand the impact that those who came before them have had on them, and understand the impact that they now can have on the people that follow in their footsteps. So I think it's just a big understanding of the importance and the value of an opportunity to go to university and what that, what that might mean in, um, in somebody's life. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. One of the things you guys have done, which I don't think as enough universities do on a personal, I, I'm a big endowment guy. I think you need to have a good endowment. I know that you guys and uh, I know Simon has a very good endowment. They've been working on it really hard for a long time. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how many other schools really take it that seriously, but I know, I'm, I know for sure that you have. Uh, tell us what it's like to, to, act, to go out and get people to, to come back and give back so that you can you know, the thing I like about an endowment is that it lasts forever, right? It's a, it's a forever thing. So when you make a contribution, it's not going anywhere. You're literally enhancing future generations. So talk about what it was like to kind of get that going and take it, take it to the level that it's at now, because I know that's something that you take pride in. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we have a number of endowments and, um, you know, some have come before my time and because we do have a long history and we do have people who really value um, athletics at university. Uh, and, you know, we have some newer endowments and, and oftentimes they're um, in honor of somebody who may have passed and either they or um, people who cared about that person want um, to make a contribution to university sports. So we have endowments like the Ruth Wilson Memorial, the Cheryl Kinton Memorial, uh, Mary Campbell, um, you know, and, and I think it's even better when the people have endowments who are still living because it's the relationships. I mean, the most important thing is the relationship and the stewarding of the relationship and the building of the relationship. Um, and, you know, so uh, 
you know, I think that's the bottom line right there. It's the relationship part. And it's, uh, if, if you've gone through the university student athlete experience, um, hopefully it's a positive one. And hopefully as you get older, you understand the significance of that time period and the effect and impact it's had on you. And then, you know, as you go through your life, then, you know, some are in a position where they can really give back in a substantial way. Um, and so that's another reason why I think we really value the opportunity and experience that we can provide. You know, it's not easy. It's not a cakewalk. It's meant to be challenging, um, you know, because it is such an important part, like a phase of your life. Um, you know, and, and not everybody's going to be in a position where they can um, set up a, an endowment, but we also have a lot of annual givers. We have our six woman monthly giving club, which is a, you know, you can contribute five bucks a month if you want, but you have, you know, 500 people doing that. It adds up to a substantial amount of money, which can be used for scholarships and, and other benefits to your team. So there's a lot of different ways that you can impact some big, some small, but it's relationships and then the experience, valuing the experience and wanting others to have the same. Yeah, absolutely. So you've had this, this fantastic career. You had it as a player, then you brought it into coaching. You've gone and won these national championships. You know, you've had some very competitive teams since then. What, what's left for us? Uh, what are we working on in the next few years? What's, what's the challenge that kind of gets you motivated and excited uh, in the morning? <laughs> well, I don't know. The passion never dies. I don't know what it is about this game and about coaching. It's, um, you know, some people say, you know, don't you get tired of it? And yeah, it does take a lot of energy, as we know. And it's a 24-7, 365 job. Um, so you have to love it. And it is a lifestyle. Um, but every team is a different team. Every team, there's, you know, team building, um, individual development. Uh, there's challenges that come with trying to, you know, navigate a season. Um, I mean, last year... We had, a, you know, a strong season, um, you know, came very close to upsetting the eventual national champion. Yeah, the last game that gave him a good game, actually. Nobody yeah, else played in the game. Yeah, it was disappointing for us because it was so close. We could taste it, but we didn't get it done. And, and um, you know, so, I mean, our goal is always to be, uh, you know, premier program in the country. And so striving to be the best we can be. We want to be competing for national championships. We want to be... You know, we want our kids to excel in the classroom. Uh, we want our kids to be good citizens. So, um, you know, that continues to motivate us every day. And, you know, obviously right now we're in a big challenge with, you know, learning new tricks to try and, like you are right now, talking to us, you know, how do you keep people engaged? How do you motivate people? How do you, how do you, how do you focus on your learning and growth during this time where, when it looks very different than what we've done in previous years? So, you know, I'm not quite sure what things are going to look like, but I know we're busy trying to, you know, assist and, and support, you know, our student athletes, um, you know, thrive, not just survive during this challenging time, but thrive. So, you know, I think all of us are a little bit, you know, uncertain about what's next, um, but being optimistic that, um, you know, we will get back on track somehow and, and continuing to stay optimistic in that way. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, one of the things I ask all the people that do this thing is I ask them, if you could go back and give young Dev Huvan some, uh, some advice, what would you, as an athlete, while you're still playing, if you could give that girl uh, some advice that you've learned now over this time, what would you tell that, that young kid? 
Well, I, you know, the whole thing about, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. Um, don't get caught up in extraneous stuff that is really meaningless. And it's hard to do. We all do as people. Um, there's a, a saying that one of my coaches with the national team, Don McRae, who was a, a, a fabulous coach and, and mentor, he would say, don't keep score. And so I learned that when I was on the national team, don't keep score. And what he meant by that was, you know, when you're traveling to Bulgaria or Romania or Russia and you're in the airport and you got to, or you're Cuba, you got to carry your bags and there weren't wheels in those days from like one terminal to another. And it's, you know, it's a hundred degrees out there. Like you can't control that. It's extraneous. You, get, you could choose to get all caught up. Oh, I can't believe this. And oh, this is that. And why this and why that? Which takes energy, takes focus, makes everybody miserable. And that would be an example of, you know, don't keep score. Like don't even, don't spend energy. Don't spend focus on those kind of things. Keep, keep yourself focused on your goals. Keep yourself focused on being, um, you know, the glass is half full. It is not half empty. You know, having an optimistic, positive outlook. Um, so I think that's really important. And it's all about relationships. I think we get caught up in the me, 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 and we forget about the us, or we forget about, you know, being kind and supportive to other people and appreciative with gratitude um, of other people. Uh, you know, you need your teammates to be a basketball player. You need your, your, your family to support you. Um, I think just people in general now are, are way more, uh, they take time for gratitude. They take time for being in the moment, not thinking too far ahead, not living in the past, living in the now. What can I control now? What can I impact now? How can I navigate now? And then that keeps you a little bit more grounded, a little bit less stressful. Um, I mean, those are all things I've, I think that I've kind of learned along the way that um, might have helped me a little bit as I was younger. And then the other thing is just my dad's words of wisdom to me were just follow your interests. Like when things were like, I don't know what to do. I don't know, you know, should I, should I study this? Should I study that? Should I go to this school? Should I go to that school? You know, should I still play baseball? You know, follow your interests. Like you're, you're tap into yourself. Um, understand yourself and make choices um, that are going to make you happy, give you energy uh, because um, it's your life. Uh, you are in the driver's seat of your own life. And um, the sooner we can start to get from the back seat into the front seat, I think uh, the better it is for anyone trying to navigate this complicated world. Yeah, that's a huge deal. I think I think get from the back seat to the front seat probably, you know, one of the better things anyone can say to somebody is like figure out how to take control of the situation. I think and I think, you know, not sweating the small stuff and keep score when you're on the court. You don't need to keep score when you're yeah. off the court. You know what I mean? Exactly. You gotta take care of the important things. Well, yeah, you gotta know you gotta know time and score when you're on the court. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, let's not get that be straight. The um, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Um, another uh, exciting year for you guys coming up. I, I am excited to see the team with the new recruits you guys brought in, and and uh, we'll we'll make sure to have you out there, and, and we'll we'll uh, we'll take a look at the squad. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, up. thanks thanks for your time. I appreciate it, and good luck to everybody in your training. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much.